Okay, turning your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're taking a, a brief parenthesis from our series in 1 Thessalonians. We'll jump into 1 Thessalonians 2 uh, again next week. But today we're bringing our Global Missions Conference to a conclusion. And our theme, of course, has been on your mark, athletic imagery, of course, because of the Olympics and the World Games. And 1 Corinthians has lots of athletic imagery in it. I know it's SEC country here, and we think perhaps that we're the only ones interested in sports, but you need to know that the the city of Corinth was really into sports as well. As a matter of fact, for over a thousand years, the Olympics occurred every four years. You know why they're called the Olympics, of course, because they took place in a city in Greece called Olympia. And Olympia was only 130 miles from Corinth. The Corinthians were crazy about athletics. Now, there's another reason Corinth loved their sports. is Not only were there the four-year Olympiads in Olympia, but there, every two years there was a competition that also involved elite athletes. And it was second in popularity only to the Olympics. And those were called the Isthmian Games. And the Isthmian Games that occurred every two years were only 10 miles from the city of Corinth. So Paul uses athletic imagery to call us to run with great energy, effort, and endurance the missional race that we're called to. Everybody who has ever been into athletics, or knows anything about elite athletes, understands the cost and the effort and the energy necessary to win the prize. As a matter of fact, the International Olympic Committee understood so well what is required of athletes that in 1894, they adopted the Olympic motto, Key to use, out to use, for to use. The Latin that means faster, higher, stronger. Now what's interesting is about eight months ago, in July of 2021, the International Olympic Committee made a slight change in the motto. It's still faster, higher, stronger, but they added another Latin word, Communiter, which means faster, higher, stronger, together. Behind every single athlete, even in individual events, is a team. Parents that have sacrificed so much. Friends fellow athletes that have trained and pushed the elite athletes, physical therapists, doctors, sponsors, athletics are very expensive, sports psychologists. Nobody ever wins an event alone. Faster, higher, stronger, together. And when it comes to the missional race, 
to reach the nations, we need to understand that we're all part of a team. And like all teams, teams are only as strong as their weakest link. We're all part of the team to run the missional race to reach the nations. All of us are called to engagement. All of us are called to involvement. All of us are called to pray. Some of us are called to go. And those who don't go are called to send. And we send through our prayers, but just like with athletes, through our sponsorship, our generosity. Now at Oak Mountain, we sponsor global missions through something called a faith promise. A faith promise is something that we agree to give to global missions through Oak Mountain based on God's promise to provide and our trusting Him to enable us to give what we have committed. Now, why do we do that? Well, first of all, as I talked about the tithe earlier, there's a sense in which generosity for the Christ follower doesn't even really begin until after we've given the tithe. The the 10% is the floor, is the basement of thankfulness and gratitude and trust when it comes to what we're called to give back to God. By having a faith promise, we're calling each other to actually enter generosity, to give beyond the 10%, and to grow in our ability and capacity to trust God by giving more. But faith promise also elevates global missions. But by having a particular gift that is unique and special, we are saying that we need to be reminded that the nations are on the heart of our God. God told Abraham, I will will bless you, as he tells us, and I will make you a blessing to all the nations on the earth. And so by having a faith promise and by calling all of us to make a faith promise, it uniquely elevates the place of global missions. And we also have a faith promise because it does involve us in needing to trust God to provide. And let me tell you something. Few things make God more real in our experience than making a faith promise to reach the nations and see God fulfill it in amazing ways. Can I just say, one of the reasons why some of us don't experience the reality of God in our lives the way he really wants us to is because we're really not stepping out in faith in a way that makes us desperate for God to show up. 
And so many times when we step out in a way that makes us desperate for God to show up, God shows up. And we're struck afresh by the reality, oh my, there really is a God. And he really is involved in my daily life. And so faith promise is the way that we sponsor the missional race. And in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul has the nations on his heart. And he gives us three elements of an athlete's life that we can learn from in order to help sponsor the missional life and to live the missional life more effectively. So with that as an introduction, let's all stand out of reverence for God's word and follow along with me as I read 1 Thessalonians, 1 Corinthians 9, 19 to 27. This is God's word. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? so run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. May God bless the hearing and teaching of his inspired, infallible, inerrant, and authoritative word. This is God's word. He gave it to us because he loves us. And he wants to equip us and mobilize us to run the missional race and sponsor those who go to the nations on our behalf. Let's pray. God, we ask that this word that is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword would pierce our souls, that you'd open our eyes to the wonder of the gospel of grace for our own hearts, but God, that you would show us this, is, this news is too good to keep to ourselves, and we might truly be passionate about bringing the gospel to the nations. Come Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. So three elements of a faith promise that helps us to apply the motto of the Olympics, faster, higher, stronger, 
together. First of all, seek to win more to Christ through a visionary faith promise. When it it comes to, to supporting missions, we're never going to truly enter generosity unless we are gripped by a compelling vision to bring the good news to the nations. And Paul was gripped by a compelling vision. Look at verse 19. He says, Though I am free from all, I've made myself a servant of all. And then he goes on to say that I might win more. Paul was inspired by a compelling vision to win people to Christ. As a matter of fact, in verses 20 to 22, he uses the word win five times. He is consumed with seeing people won to Christ. He has a vision of missions that is winsome and attractive and beautiful. Picture the term win and all that is involved. Winning people to eternity. Winning people to heaven. Winning people to real purpose. Real meaning. Real significance. Real security. Paul wanted to see people won to beauty and goodness and truth. And that beautiful vision compelled him. Though he was free to make himself a slave. He wanted to win people to the truth. He wanted to win people to love. He wanted to win people to dignity and kindness and compassion. Is that your vision of running the missional race? That we're winning people to the most beautiful being in the universe our Creator, who made us, redeems us, and transforms lives. In verse 22, Paul says, I've become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. Again, you see the compelling vision that Paul lived with? Not just winning people to eternity, but saving people from destruction. Saving people from destruction in this life. Saving people from destruction in eternity. Paul had a vision of saving men and women out of trafficking. He had a a vision of, of saving people from addictions of saving people from abuse, of cruelty. Paul had a vision that the world, as people heard the good news, could be a better place. Everybody dreams of the world being a better place, but folks, there's only one way the world can be ransomed, redeemed, and delivered. And that is through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And I ask you this morning, do you believe that? Do you believe there's no hope for the nations apart from the gospel? And conversely, what would it take for you to begin to live with a vision 
of the nations being transformed. I, I fear that as Americans, we are so wrapped around the axle about our own lives. I'm, I'm so concerned that as Americans, our worlds have shrunk. And all we're thinking about is ourselves. Paul had a vision of good news coming to the nations. Look at verse 23. I do it all for the sake of the gospel. The gospel in the Greek literally is good news. Paul wanted the good news to go to the nations. And he was willing to make himself a slave. He was willing to give up all freedoms and liberties and entitlements out of this compelling vision of the nations hearing the gospel. Verse 25, he gave another visionary motivation. He says, lead athletes compete for the vision of a perishable prize, but we an imperishable. Now listen, when Paul says, you run in a way that, that you'll win, and when he says, you run for an imperishable prize, he's not creating competition among Christians. He's not saying, if you try the hardest, you'll be loved the most. No, if you know Christ, there's absolutely nothing you could do that could make God love you more than He already does in Christ. And frankly, if, if you fall flat in your face in helping to sponsor the missional race, He's not going to love you any less. However, the prize that Paul's talking about is not a personal reward. The prize in Paul's view are the souls of men and women made everlastingly happy in the new Jerusalem because they have rested in the finished work of Jesus Christ. When we get back to 1 Thessalonians 2 next week, Paul's going to say, what is my joy? What is my crown? What is my wreath? What is my gold medal? He says, it's you. He says the same thing to the Philippians. Our reward for sponsoring the missional race is knowing the beauty of seeing souls made everlastingly happy and delivered from eternal destruction because the gospel of Jesus Christ has been believed upon. And for Paul, that was a compelling vision. We're all aware of what's happening in the Ukraine right now. A little bit of backstory you may not know. Uh, 30 years or so uh, after the wall fell in Berlin and the Soviet Union was broken up and the Eastern Bloc countries, many of them gained their independence and freedom. There were 80 ministries that came together for the sake of the gospel, the Great Commission. But for once, there was a vision of doing it together, fire, faster, higher, stronger, together. And it was called the Commission. We did it together. We co-owned it. Now, what you may not know is the Ukraine was divvied out. Different, different ministries were given different places. 
and the Ukraine was divvied out to our denomination, the PCA. And back in the 90s, our denomination with missionaries sponsored by PCA churches began the very slow, deliberate process of planting churches. It wasn't this huge flash in the pan. It just happened very gradually. And those churches planted churches. And so today, there are nine major cities throughout the Ukraine that have presbyteries of churches. And those churches support each other and encourage each other. And they've established seminaries in the country as well. Well, the news coming out of Ukraine is that those seminaries and those churches, rather than having people flee, are having people flock. And they're coming together, supporting each other, protecting each other, feeding each other, bandaging each other. Who would have thought 30 years ago that a trickle of missionaries engaging in the slow, deliberate process of planting churches would be present to minister for such a time as this? That's the kind of compelling vision we need that's going to free us from all of our idolatry to materialism as we consider gifts that we give now going to plant churches around the world because in 30 more years we have no idea what kind of evil will have to be faced by the nations. We'll never be truly generous, faster, higher, stronger together until we're gripped by a compelling vision. Are you? Secondly, seek to win more to Christ through a wholehearted faith promise. Now, when I say whole heart, we know at this church, just like there are four chambers of the physical heart, right? The ventricle, atrium, right, left, There's four chambers to the biblical heart. The Bible speaks of our thoughts, our feelings, our desires, and our choices. And Paul talks about athletes being wholehearted, and he calls us as God's people to be wholehearted in our generosity toward missions. Look at verse 19. Paul says, I've made myself a servant. That word literally means I have sold myself out as a slave. Paul, because of compelling vision, was wholeheartedly sold out to do whatever it would take to win people to Christ. You see, it's one thing to have a compelling vision, but vision without action is a daydream. Vision without action is a pipe dream. Vision without action won't change the world. Vision 
without action will not bring the gospel to the nations. And we need wholehearted action. Look at verse 24. In a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize. So run to obtain it. Again, he's not saying get in competition with each other. He's saying think for a moment, consider, reflect, meditate upon the person who wins the race. How do you think that person trained? How do you think that person ran? Do you realize that among elite athletes in the races that they run or the events they participate in, there's, there's like down to the thousandths of a second between the champion and the person who gets the silver. That sometimes there's only a hundredth of a second between the champion and someone who doesn't even medal. And in most cases, you know what the difference is? One of the athletes was just more wholehearted than the other. They put more into it. More time, more energy, more effort. And Paul says, thinking about the champion, live your life that way. And then he says in verse 25, he talks about the athlete that exercises control. By the way, you know the term athlete? You know what, you know what English word, the Greek term for athlete gives us? agonizer agonizer every athlete every agonizer exercises control in all things that's the wholeheartedness with which Paul calls us to run the missional race as we reflect and pray and consider about sponsoring the missional race through our faith promise And then he says in verse 26, I do not run aimlessly. I don't box as one beating the air. Now apply this to being wholehearted. First of all, thinking. Someone who who doesn't run aimlessly knows where the track is. They don't get off course. They know the rules. They stay in their lane. Paul says when it comes to the missional race, use your mind. And and the difference between the really elite athletes who are champions and the other elite athletes, it's often right here. It's between the ears. And Paul says when it comes to running the Christian race, the battle's right here. It's between the ears. Love the Lord your God with all your mind as you reflect upon how to live to reach the nations. Use your mind. But also elite athletes are emotionally engaged. They're passionate. They're into it. They love it. They salivate when the gun's about to go off. Can I just tell you that I don't often salivate when I think about the nations. I salivate when I think about a good steak. Right? I salivate when I think about actually going to see Steph Curry in a couple weeks in Atlanta. But honestly, folks, I don't often salivate when I think about the nations. Athletes have 
exercise their will so many times that there's a resolve in that part of the race where they got to dig down deep. And I'm just so convicted about how soft I am. How soft are you in your will when it comes to living for the nations? You know, the closing event of every Summer Olympics, you know what it is? It's the marathon. Every Summer Olympics ends with the marathon. You know why? It's based on a true event. In 490 B.C., from the town of Marathon, Greece, there was a guy named Pheidippides. Pheidippides was a, a Greek soldier. And the Persians were attacking the Greeks. And it was a key battle at Marathon. Marathon to Athens is the length of a marathon. And Pheidippides was given the information that the Greek armies had defeated the Persians decisively. And he was to run to the capital to inform the citizens that victory was theirs. They were safe. They were secure. They could rejoice. Pheidippides ran undeterred, undistracted with his whole heart. And when he got to Athens, he announced the victory and dropped dead. He left nothing in the tank. He left it all on the field to announce the victory that was theirs. That's the wholeheartedness that the Holy Spirit is calling us to possess for the sake of the nations. To be like that champion athlete. To be like Pheidippides that left nothing on the field but gave up his life to announce the victory. Someone ran the race on our behalf. That's why we're here today, right? If we know Jesus Christ. People went to Ukraine to announce the victory that Jesus has worked for his people. And we need to be wholehearted for the mission or race as well. And then lastly and quickly, seek to win more to Christ through a sacrificial faith promise. If a wholehearted faith promise involves effort and striving, then a sacrificial faith promise involves denial. And that's what the text talks about. Look at verse 25. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. That Greek word self-control means abstaining. It means self-denial. It means giving up anything that would get in the way of finishing the race and winning the prize. 
And then look at verse 27. I discipline my body and keep it under control. The word discipline means to strike under the eye with a fist until it's black and blue. Paul is saying when it comes to the missional race, we are to beat our body black and blue. Do whatever it takes to keep it disciplined for the sake of sponsoring the gospel going to the nations. Then he says, I keep it under control. That that means to render your body a slave, to force it to serve gospel purposes. Folks, listen, if you know Jesus Christ, you're not the same person you were when you were born. You have a new will. You have a new heart. You have a new capacity. You have the Holy Spirit in you. And you and I can render our bodies slaves for the sake of the gospel. Our flesh is like a screaming, spoiled toddler. But by grace, by the power of the Spirit, because of a new heart, we can say no. We can deny ourselves for the sake of the nations. And I need to ask myself, when is the last time I denied myself of anything for the nations? You need to know the context of 1 Corinthians 9. The church at Corinth was a complete and utter mess. It was a disaster. You know why? All they cared about was asserting their freedoms. All the Corinthians cared about was asserting their liberties. All the Corinthians cared about were their entitlements. All the Corinthians cared about were their rights. I'm going to say this gently. But I believe what I've just described is the American church. People who become consumed with our rights and our liberties, and our entitlements. And people who have grown up with participation trophies for just showing up, we're never going to change the world. Until God grips our hearts with compelling vision, And grips our whole hearts so that we give it our all. And until we're willing to engage in self-denial like our Savior who ran the missional race by coming from heaven to earth and gave up everything, dying on a cross as a thief, a criminal, in other people's eyes. May that vision of his missional race become so beautiful to us that we would become imitators of our Savior for the sake of the nations. 
I'm going to close with a letter that a friend of mine sent me. Just take a couple minutes. I know it's past time. Bob, just wanted to give you a small encouragement regarding faith promise. On Sunday, I felt a strong conviction to go ahead and make our commitment in an amount that had surfaced in prayer previously and solidified as you preached. I showed my wife the amount before I turned it in, and she raised her eyebrows, knowing that the couple thousand dollars or so we were pledging to faith promise was a big deal for us. But if I've learned anything over the past 15 months, it is that if God prompts me to do something, I do it, period. So I did without the slightest concern over how the provision would come. Well, on Wednesday, we received in the mail as a gift from my wife's aunt, U.S. savings bonds in my wife's name, the face amount of which was the exact same amount I felt led and compelled to pledge to Faith Promise. We, of course, had no idea that her aunt had done this. She bought them for her nieces and nephews many years ago to be distributed and cashed upon her passing, which actually was a few weeks ago. Our God is a good and sovereign God, free from the restraints of time and space. To Him be the glory. Bob, I see fear all around me right now, which I understand. However, we're gripped by fear primarily because our comfort and our ease of life is at stake. I don't know of anyone in our circle who was on the verge of starvation or whose kids don't have access to medicine, etc. What are we so afraid of losing? Have our lives been that great? Have they been that meaningful? Look around. People who have had everything are trading in their spouses, drinking away their stress, turning to porn for gratification, living self-indulgent, self-absorbed, soul-emptying lives. And these are the churchgoers. Is this what we may lose? May we lose all these things and more that we may find again Christ, our first love, to the praise of His glory. May we as His church turn this time of fear on its head by living fearless, trust-filled lives in which we serve and take care of each other and those over the fence, over the mountain, and overseas for His name's sake. Amen and amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, giving it to us in, in, in context we can really relate to. Sports, athletes. God, would you do a work of grace among us? God, if there's anybody here who doesn't know Jesus, may today be the day they transfer their trust from themselves to him. And Father, if we've never had a real love or passion for the nations, May all that change now. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this week, at some point, if you would turn in a faith promise commitment, you can do that through the app. You can do that online. You can do that through the mail. And you can actually drop that off as you leave this morning. There'll be some folks at the exits, and they can... uh, collect your faith promise. And some of you may have thought of one amount when you walked in, and by God's mercies and power 
after the message, you need to reconsider that. And so there's no hurry in turning in uh, your faith promise. Uh, We want to sponsor the missional race in a way that brings the gospel to the nations. Let's all stand and hear our benediction. The promise of God's favor upon us to enable us to do that which he has called us to do. Receive it. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Abba Father and the fellowship and transforming power of the Holy Spirit be with you now.